I'm Anya Murray, an ecologist originally from County Wicklow. I've always been at home in and around trees, and I have a lifelong curiosity about pretty much everything related to trees. And I'm Brian McGlynn. I'm a musician based in the Wicklow Mountains. I mostly make music with my brother Jeremy in our band Ye Vagabonds, but having grown up around old woodlands in County Carlow, I've always been fascinated by trees and drawn to the overlap between music, folklore and nature. Together we've created this six-part series about trees. Each episode is an audio portrait of one of Ireland's native trees, with interviews, stories and reflections, as well as new songs that I've written especially for the series and traditional songs and tunes that I've sourced and arranged for each episode too. For most of history, since the end of the last great ice age, Ireland has been a richly wooded land. Trees transformed soils and provided the framework for communities of plants and animals here over thousands of years. Trees have moulded every aspect of Ireland's natural environment. Trees have shaped the contours of human society too, influencing every aspect of how we humans live, our history, our culture and even our economy. And yet we now find ourselves living in a society where an interest in trees is a niche curiosity and where the rich characters, stories and details of Ireland's native trees are so poorly known. It's hardly any wonder that Ireland has the lowest tree cover of any country in Europe. And even at that, the vast majority of tree cover now is made up of uniform rows of North American conifer plantations. Devoid of the colour, diversity, wildlife, climate benefit or environmental value of our native trees. This series is our way of inviting you to join us on a journey of rediscovery, exploring some of our favourite native trees, their ecology and history, as well as customs, traditions and songs. This first episode is all about birch, the pioneering tree. Birch trees grow tall, slender, wispy and light. Their leaves are small, delicate, diamond-shaped, dancing on long stalks, playing with light without ever casting a heavy shade. Birch bark is pale in colour, silvery white to pale brown, its texture papery and smooth, depending on the species, whether downy birch, silver birch or any combination in between. In autumn, birch leaves colour themselves warm yellow, lighting up the landscape with a rich golden glow. In mythology, birch represents beginnings and renewal, which reflects the ecological characteristics of this being such a pioneering tree. Birch is often associated with marking boundaries. Its flexible papery bark has been used in the making of boats in some parts of the world. In Ireland, the brushy twigs gave the makings for a perfect broom, while in the Hebrides in Scotland, 
birch twigs were traditionally placed over the cradle of a newborn baby. My brother Jeremy and I wrote and recorded this song for this episode, along with the drummer Matthew Jacobson. It's an ode to birch and to the boats it builds, to the cradles it protects, to its silvery bark, and to the beginnings of woodlands it created across this island and the rest of the world. Thank you. 
Birch are pioneering trees, specialists at colonising new ground. As they grow, their roots draw up nutrients from deep in the earth, and the leaves which fall from the birch canopy each autumn enrich the surface layers of soil. As pioneers, birch are not only good at establishing themselves in new territory, they also create the conditions that other plants and animals can thrive in. To understand how birch is so good at colonising new ground, Brian and I went to meet with Michael O'Connell, a paleobotanist from National University of Ireland at Galway. After the ice melted, when the first birch forests began to establish here, how long ago are we talking? Well, the ice age had come to an end a little over maybe 11,500 years ago. The birch was beginning to spread give it 100, 200 years, and it has spread throughout Ireland. Conditions would have been quite harsh, right? It is amazing the rapid transformation of the landscape of Ireland and indeed Northwest Europe at the end of the last glaciation. Does it have specific physiological adaptations that make it a pioneering species? Let us start with the beginning, the light seeds. It is tiny. It has two little wings at the side of it, and it is extremely light, so therefore it disperses very well. Compare it with the acorn. They'll fall to the ground. They're dependent on animals to disperse them, really. In, in the birch, uh, it has these light seeds, which will be, can be dispersed by wind. It produces millions of pollen grains. It produces hundreds of thousands of seeds. And hence, it is a fantastic initial colonizer of suitable habitat. So it is noted as a pioneer species. But it got in there at the beginning and burst into the landscape and produced birch forests, really from west coast to east coast, from north to south, in Ireland as in lots of Europe. The story I've just told you has come from the study of fossil pollen in bogs and lakes. The quantity of that pollen is telling us the quantity and distribution of trees in the landscape. And so you have to go find a deposit which is accumulating slowly, gradually, and each year adding a layer. And those deposits are readily to be found here. They're to be found in our lakes and in our bogs. Each year uh, in the lakes, there's a little a layer of sediment, let us say typically about a half a centimetre thick, which encapsulates the pollen of that year. On our bogs, if they're wet and natural, they are constantly growing as well. Sphagnum is adding to the peat layer and it is trapping the pollen. So you go out, you take a core. In other words, uh, if in the case of a bog, let us say, it's, it's quite easy. If there's a bank of turf, you can cut out a long sod in maybe 50 or metre sections, bring it back to the lab and sample it. Starting, let us say, at the bottom, go to the top, 
uh, one centimeter thick slices. And from each of these slices, you extract the fossil pollen. And so you know at the bottom, it was laid down at the very beginning of the post-glacial, nearly 12,000 years ago. At the top, it was formed during this year. And so you have a record for potentially every year. It's an amazing thing. And what impact would the birch have had on the landscape? Like, would it have helped soils to form? Birch itself would be given the facility for other plants to come along, colonise, and so therefore what the soil scientists will call pedogenesis, the development of soils. This was taking place under the birch. They assisted that to give us soils. So birch was quite an agent in the formation of soils across Ireland. Of Ireland as well, yes. Amazing. Yes. We have a lot to thank the birch for. By reading the pollen record, scientists like Michael help us to picture the landscape long before people arrived. I love thinking of birch as the first real tree to make its way across Ireland transforming soils and opening the way for rich woodland ecosystems to follow. And now, 10,000 years later, we are slowly waking up to the fact that we are in the midst of a climate and biodiversity crisis. Birch can once again pave the way for large-scale restoration of ecosystems here and help in the fight against climate change too. Don't forget trees are really, really important in this day because they are using carbon dioxide and water and making carbohydrate. And this carbon dioxide, we've heard a lot about carbon dioxide in the last 20 years, and anything that uh, pulls carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and puts it in storage, that's what trees are doing. And that is what we want to do in this day where we have overloaded the, the, the atmosphere with, with carbon dioxide. As you know very well, it's gone up from 0.03%. I think it's approaching around 0.05%. And of course, this is, it's, it is a greenhouse gas, so it has potential lethal quantities. And this is why, let us say, the Amazon rainforest is so important for us, because this is this wonderful system that is pulling in the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and storing it. And when you say that the trees are sucking that out of the atmosphere and putting it in storage, the timber is the storage, right? To engineer our future path in the complex system we're living in is not easy. There are so many considerations, but as you can see, trees are really, are really an important part in the whole thing for themselves, for their economic use, for their ecological use, and also, of course, for the kind of aesthetic beauty of trees and the wonderful habitat they provide for a whole range of plant and animals. So uh, it, is, uh, it is kind of, it is really important. And I suppose as well, uh, you know, we are among the least forested countries in Europe, outside of Iceland. Uh, we are definitely the least forested. And we have minuscule amounts of deciduous trees. So it's kind of behoven on us to 
mind what we have and try and ensure that the future is seen after. The Irish word for birch, beh, is the first letter of the old Irish Oam alphabet. In Oam, each letter was named after a tree, each with its own meaning, symbolism and mythology attached to it. Birkanen or Bjork, the Nordic rune, also symbolised birch, and its angular B shape is the origin of our letter B. At that time, Trees like birch carried much more meaning than just the timber or the food they provided. The birch with its pale bark, its thin purple branches and its small bright green leaves, changing colour through yellow and apricot orange, often creates a beautiful cosy private space under its canopy, with drooping leafy branches dappling light against its papery bark. It's no wonder that the tree has long been associated with romance and love. To find out more about birch and its significance in folklore and music, I met with Rianach Yogorn, Professor Emeritus of Irish Folklore and former director of the National Folklore Collection. I can't recall the name of the ballad now, but one of the ballads said that the lovers were meeting under the birch tree, and I thought that was a particularly kind of romantic association. I think the birch is a particularly beautiful tree. It's associated with youth and with love and affection. In the Hebrides, for example, two birch branches were crossed over each other to protect the baby in the cradle. So it's a very fortunate kind of tree. It's very lucky to have associations with the birch. And it's associated, I think, very much with summer and, and green as well. And it was used in, in all kinds of different festivities. And I think that young birch, the saplings, are used to protect animals and the branches could be put even beside a baby's cradle as well, not necessarily even crossed over, but just the very fact that the birch would be there, almost as a, as a guardian. So, apart from the birch's associations with romance, birth, protection and good fortune, it also offered a lot of practical uses and cures in people's daily lives. Interestingly enough, with birch, the branches or the bark, they were boiled and the water was used to consolidate a dye. Dyed wool was steeped in the water in which the birch was boiled and this made the dye fast or consolidated the dye. Old people used to chop it and boil it in a pot and if they had anything white that they wanted to dye brown, they'd put that in the pot and it would dye a very nice brown colour. And it was used in making objects as well. The, the birch, the, there was a coach builder in Offaly who used birch. He used to make carriages and he used the birch for the roofing in the carriage. It was used as well in making 
sweeping brushes and brooms. Also, uh, it was used to cure skin diseases in particular. And if the bark is ground down, it's good for eczema. And one account told us that this should be, you should pour two pints of boiling water over it then, and it should be allowed to simmer until only one and a half pints remain, and then it can be used when it's cold. And it would cure all kinds of um, rashes or skin ailments. And a poultice of birch leaves is said to be a great cure for eczema as well. So it had a very practical use, as, as well as other uses and mentions. I then asked Reenoch about the importance of birch in Irish place names, a good indication of how defining birch was in the Irish landscape in times gone by. The birch is very common in Irish place names, and today I think so many addresses in suburban areas. We have Birch Road, Birch Lane, Birch Avenue, Birch Grove, but much older than that, I suppose, are the uses of Beh, Behach, Behernach in place names that imply a vast growth of birch trees, like a forest possibly of birch trees. And we have Behachaha, for example, which goes back to the, at least as early as the 16th century, which is the, the birch wood of the ford. And it kind of places so many birch trees in, in a particular location. And I think it conjures up an image maybe of a different Ireland, a different rural Ireland, when there were so many well-populated forests with different kinds of trees or possibly with birch only. Near Cahar Daniel, for example, there's a place called Behachan, which means a place abounding in birch trees. And so it brings to mind how much the landscape has changed, I think, over the centuries as well. And I think how greatly Ireland was, was wooded <laughs> At, at the time, the place names and the names associated with, with Beh or Birch, they help us imagine what it must have been like when there were thousands of birch trees growing around. In old songs, Rianuk found a number of particularly interesting references to Birch in a famous collection of ballads called the Child Ballads, collected in the 19th century in England and Scotland. A common theme in these old ballads is a rose and a briar growing from the graves of two lovers, intertwining as they grow higher in a powerful symbol of love after death. But in two songs that Reenoch found, it's a birch and a briar that grow from two lovers' graves. And while they don't intertwine in one of them, in a ballad called Fair Eleanor, it's the birch and the briar that also form the eternal true lover's knot. He marries Fair Eleanor against his mother's wishes. So his mother poisons him and Eleanor arrives too late. He has died at this stage. So Eleanor asks his mother, will you give me his ring? And the mother refuses to give Eleanor the ring. So Eleanor dies of broken heart. So here we have two lovers being buried in the church. And in this instance, in Fair Eleanor, birch and the briar are said to grow from the two graves and they do intertwine.
grows as an isolated entity. Like us, trees depend on symbiotic relationships with a plethora of other organisms. Underground in the soil, birch roots mingle with the tiny filaments of fungi that help the trees access nutrients, resist diseases and even communicate with other trees. Scientists are only beginning to uncover the complexity and profound implications of trees and their mycorrhizal associations in the soils. Then there are other fungi with distinctive fruiting bodies above ground, like the bright red fly agaric mushroom with its white spots, a mushroom that is closely associated with birch. And birch bark is full of lichens too, black, brown, yellow, lime green, even bright orange lichen that looks like spray paint. Hundreds of different critters and nymphs inhabit the pale speckled bark of birch trees, sheltering between the horizontal crevices of the trunk, feeding off the lichens, the bark, the seeds, the leaves and each other. The buff tip moth has evolved especially to camouflage itself perfectly on birch bark. Its pale wings match exactly with the pale mottled birch bark and its round brown ends mimic the broken end of a birch twig. Apart from moths, there are butterflies and their caterpillars, hoverflies, ladybirds, beetles, caterpillars and lots more besides all living in and off the birch trees, all providing protein-rich food for birds, bats and other mammals. A birch tree in its native territory is a richly inhabited hub of life. birch grows tall and straight and has such a wispy, light, open canopy, it's often planted up in urban areas. It's an unimposing tree to plant in gardens, along paved streets, 
and in urban parks. Brian and I went to meet someone in the heart of Dublin city, a part of town with the lowest green space per population of anywhere in Ireland. Catherine Cleary of Pocket Forests is all about planting up trees in urban spaces. My name's Catherine Cleary and I'm the co-founder of Pocket Forests. A real experiment in urban forestry. It's a forest in a skip and it's not a beautiful skip. It's a very apocalyptic skip, which was at the end of its days as a skip. It's been bashed. It's got holes, rusty holes in the bottom of it. We did paint it gold just to make it look a bit glam um, and put our logo on the side of it. And we have recreated the conditions of a forest floor as, in as much as we can by layering in. So at the bottom of the skip, we put in full logs, wood chip, uh, a good mix of soil and compost, and then another layer of wood chip on top and, and lots of logs and things just to try and do what a forest would do, which is when something falls in a forest, it stays on the ground and becomes part of the ecosystem. We have 11 trees and shrubs, Irish, all Irish native trees and shrubs here um, in the footprint of a small skip. So they're very closely planted. Um, everything has been fine. Everything has grown. Our elder has quadrupled in size very quickly as elders do. Um, the rowan has been the real kind of supermodel tree. Um, she went in about a quarter of that size five months ago maybe and has grown to my height in the time. Yeah, it's worked. We had a couple of rogue tomatoes which seeded themselves from the compost. Um, but other than that, everything is what you might find in a very diverse part of an Irish native woodland in a skip in the middle of Dublin 8. <laughs> I love the concept of planting pocket forests up in urban areas. How did you come up with this approach of pocket forests? Um, and we came across this tiny forest idea and thought this is amazing. Well, not only could you put in small green spaces, but you could make them high rise as a lot of what we're doing here in the city is doing, you know, actual high rise green spaces where you're putting trees into places where people would say there isn't the room for them. And you're getting all of this excitement of creating these spaces as well. So we got in touch with a lot of people around the world who were doing it and we got great help and great advice as to how to start something like this. So we called it Pocket Forests and we've gone about persuading people in gardens and schools and uh, hospice and GA pitches here in the Digital Hub where we're partnering with them um, to allow us to play with this idea and see what it comes up with. And it's been it's been brilliant. And I love that as well as the trees, you've got ferns and all sorts of wildflowers and wood chip and even bits of logs in around it. It's not groomed, it's not neat, um, but I think it's beautiful. And it's nice that it's at eye level for people as well. I suppose a lot of what we're hopefully going to be planting in terms of native woodland regeneration around the country is, is so important. And it's so important to do this at scale and not just in small patches but it's quite remote from everyday life, whereas now you can sit and have your coffee in a forest. It's not forest bathing as much as forest paddling, I think. <laughs> and of the trees that you plant, do you plant much birch? Yeah, we love birch. Um, we put downy birch into our garden forest. I think because it's probably the undersung birch. We all love the silver paper birch, but the downy birch, uh, we have a lot of fondness for. Yeah, I love birches. I think they're just such an elegant, delightful tree. I planted one as a tiny whip in my own front garden many years ago and it's grown very tall but quite small trunk because it's beside another tree as well. So, Can you tell the difference between downy birch and silver birch? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought I could but actually it's really a touch thing. I mean the, the silver birches are a little bit, their leaves are a little bit bigger but they're, you can close your eyes and tell the difference because the silver leaves are quite 
glossy and shiny and the downies are downy. I mean, they feel like peaches when you feel them. And it's so extraordinary because at this stage in their life, you don't see the difference in the colour between the stem, but you can definitely feel the difference in the leaves. And that stays, you know, that downy feeling of a downy birch leaf. Even when it's a big tree, it still has this really downy leaf, which is great. You know, it's like a baby <laughs> all its life. <laughs> yeah, I think birch is one of my favourite trees. They just look so beautiful in winter. And then that colour that they get in spring, I think it's just that incredible spring green that the leaves come in on, um, you know, with the, all the seeds that then come throughout the year. And then the yellow that they turn in the autumn, you know, there's just so much of a beautiful lightness to them. I think there's a wonderful quote in Richard Parr's book, Overstory, which is all about trees. And he talks about how trees make life feel lighter than it should. And I definitely think that birch is one of those trees that makes life feel lighter than it should. Birch trees have been an integral part of Ireland since long before people arrived on this island. It is they who led the way for soils to form, for woodlands to spread, for the basis of the land that nurtures us to this day. Surely we could be celebrating birch as much as we celebrate the great historical figures of Ireland. This tree that made the soil that nurtured everyone and everything that came since. And birch, as one of our native trees, is crucial today in sustaining us, cycling water, cleaning the air, storing carbon and anchoring so many other species that need birch to survive and thrive. Yet it is a tree we give so little space to. We need far more birch in our cities and to pioneer the restoration of native woodlands all over Ireland. Birch is a tree that can heal so many of our environmental problems. A tree of new beginnings. <laughs>